WQHT and WQHT HD1 New York. This is Hot 97 Street Soldiers, hosted by Lisa Evers on Hot 97. Good morning, everybody. I'm glad you're joining us for the special episode of Street Soldiers on the coronavirus epidemic and how we can cope with it. I'm Lisa Evers, your host. You can find me and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And we're going to be opening the phone lines and taking your telephone calls, your questions at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Now, every day we're hearing about hundreds and even thousands more cases of the coronavirus virus, officially known as COVID-19. The latest statistics in Italy, which has been hard hit, one person is dying in that country every two minutes. The death toll continues to rise here as well. And while healthcare workers and doctors are on the front lines day and night to keep people alive, often without the equipment they need, millions of Americans are struggling to adapt to a world in crisis that was totally unthinkable to us just a few weeks ago. While some people are totally freaked out, Others are acting recklessly. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Ignoring the warnings to stay at home and avoid crowds like the spring break party goers and the customers sneaking into bars and clubs in the back doors of restaurants here in New York City over the weekend. Much of our country is under some type of lockdown where people are only allowed to go out for items like food or medication. 100% of the non-essential workforce in New York State has been ordered to stay home as of tonight. Last night at 8 o'clock, nail salons, hair salons, barber shops, tattoo parlors, and other beauty and self-care services and shops were ordered to close. Now, all types of workers on the front lines, doctors, nurses, healthcare providers, home attendants, caregivers, delivery people, grocery store and pharmacy employees, transit and sanitation workers, the media and government, our military, cleaning personnel, many other people continue to do their jobs no matter what. What the risk. So big shout out to all of you and also to all of the volunteers who are trying to fill in the gap with some of our food situations because our food pantries are closed in many neighborhoods. Now, over the next two hours, I'm joined in studio by Dr. Emmanuel Manny Fambu. He's a physician and big picture medical expert. We'll also be joined by others via phone who are going to help us get some real perspective on what we're facing, what we can expect, and most importantly, how we can protect ourselves and others without freaking out and still make some kind of productive use of the time that we have right now. We'll be taking your calls, opening the phone lines right now, 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. And we're also taking your questions off my Instagram page, at Lisa Evers. Let's start with some basics with Dr. Manny Fambu. Dr. Manny, you're a physician, you're a medical expert in a lot of different areas. Um, Why is this so contagious? You see, um, in general, when we talk about, uh, you know, like this is a flu season, right? So, right. So everyone thinks uh, this is uh, something that is, uh, you know, we've known for a while, but this is a very new kind of disease, right? So the symptoms are very similar to what you typically find if you have the flu, like you have a fever, you have a cough, uh, you might have that runny nose, then you think it's, it's okay, but this one is very dangerous. Like I said, it's very new. Uh, this was identified for the first time on December 31st, 2019. That's why it's called COVID-19, Corona, C-O-V-I for virus. 
And then in terms of how it spread, the countries that it spread to, how fast it spread. I heard a statistic this week about of the 190, nearly 200 countries in the world, about more than half of them are facing this right now. Correct. This is a global pandemic, right? So when you first started out, uh, we, we heard it happening in China, in the Wuhan uh, region of China. Uh, then people started thinking, oh, well, we've got flights to China, right? But then we live in a global world today where people get to travel, right? Uh, people bounce around from, from across the globe. And so what you've seen is this has spread, you know, from China to look at what's happening in Italy today, right? Where you have hundreds of people dying per day. Look at places like Seattle, New York City. Um, even as far as in Africa, people are dying from this, right? They're getting sick. So this is a global pandemic. What makes this different from the regular flu? So what, what is different here is, one, we have no vaccine for this, right? This is something uh, that is brand new, so there are no treatments available for this. And the rate at which it spreads is intense, right? So you could uh, look at some of the epicenters of the disease, like in Wuhan region, for example, right, when you had the massive death rates. And another major issue here is that we have people within society, like the elderly, people that have immune um, uh, dysfunctions, right, that are highly vulnerable to this disease, and they could die very fast with it. And then in terms of the symptoms, because we hear the symptoms, and then I've also heard of people, you know, in the last couple of weeks who've gone to the doctor um, or gone for, you know, treatment, and then that finds out they have just the regular flu. What makes COVID-19 or the coronavirus different from the regular flu? Correct. So um, in this particular case, you have fever, which is very common um, across the board, right, which is different from allergies. Right? When you have allergies, you don't have fever, <laughs> right? So then if you have fever, then it's either the flu or it might be coronavirus. But in these cases, we have patients uh, with coronavirus that have severe respiratory problems, right, difficulty breathing. And pneumonia. So that's a very uh, that that's one of the key driving factors here. So one of the things that I'm hearing is, and that seems to come out over and over again, is the the, the with COVID nineteen with the coronavirus, it's the severe respiratory element and the prolonged high fever. Correct. Is that what separates it? Correct. It's a prolonged the prolonged uh, high fever, and you have this. Uh, severe respiratory problems. If you look at things like like SARS, for example, right? Which right. Is, this is a, in the family of SARS, which SARS stands for Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome. So this is severe respiratory problems. And so that's why you hear a lot of stories like in Italy, for example, where people have shortage of ventilators, right? Which, which people need to actually help, help them breathe. And so if you have shortage of such equipment, that's why you have a lot of work being put on these frontline workers, like you mentioned earlier, the, the nurses, the doctors that are in the forefront trying to help these patients. Dr. Manny, what about the, the the, this whole stay-at-home thing, this, you know, people should avoid large, large crowds. We've seen a huge. At first, we were told when this first came out, oh, this is only going to affect elderly. This is only going to affect elderly people. This is only going to affect people ha- that have not only, but primarily, will affect people with pre-existing medical conditions, very severe, you know, prolonged diseases like diabetes, heart disease, uh, lung disease, that type of thing. But now we're seeing Governor Cuomo just uh, said this weekend, 54% of the cases in New York City. Are are people between the ages of 18 and 49. Why is that happening? Correct. So if you look at uh, this in general, the younger people, uh, healthier people, usually you might have symptoms and you might recover from it. Okay. But this is one of those conditions where we need to care about everyone, right? We need to stop being selfish. It's not about just you as an individual being a young person, right? So you could be a carrier of it. But what about your grandpa or grandmother that could be sick at home, right? Who have heart failure, which a lot of people have heart failure in the elderly population. What about if you have cancer, you've gone through chemotherapy, you have an immune disorder. These people, they, they cannot just be carriers and live healthy. 
healthy. If, if we expose those people to this disease, they have the, they could die from it. And so it's not just about you, the younger person that can survive, but it's about how you trans transmitting disease to other people. Now, speaking of the mortality of it, we, we hear this, this disturbing statistic and our, our prayers go out to the people everywhere fighting this. One person every day, uh, every two minutes in Italy, one person every two minutes in Italy is dying. They have the military going into hospitals to take out the bodies. That's a terrifying scenario. How deadly is this disease? It's extremely mortal, right? The mortality rates are extremely high. Um, and that's why prevention and control is very important in this, right? That's why we're saying stay away, stay home, <laughs> right? Only essential workers should go to work and everyone should stay in because it's overwhelming to the health system. But help us understand because we also get this statistic and been getting this from the CDC from the beginning and from the government health officials that about 80% of people who test positive for coronavirus will experience flu-like symptoms and then they will recover. Is that not true? So It is true. So people will recover. So majority of people, the younger people that actually get exposed um, you know, to the virus will recover. You have your symptoms, just like a typical flu, right? You'll recover from it. The issue here is in those people that have weakened immune systems that are more vulnerable, they'll get sick and then most likely to, um, to, to die from this. And so... We think about this, we have people at the front lines today that are sacrificing their own lives, right? Risking their own Absolutely. families to be out there to help protect us. And so it's very important for us to stay safe, wash your hands, right? Um, do um, the elbow bump like right. we did earlier today. I'm still waiting for the hip-hop elbow bump dance or the elbow bump challenge. Correct. And it's, I mean, the crazy part of this is, you know, if you walk around, just... Like today, I took an Uber, right? Opening the door of the Uber. Who was there before me, right? Was your hand infected? <laughs> well, everywhere. I mean, we touch, we touch everything, especially in the city like this. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Dr. Lenny Golightly and uh, get more information. Dr. Manny's with us for the whole two hours and taking your telephone calls at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. At Lisa Evers, Blue Check Official on Instagram. Leave us your comments right there if you can't get through on the phone lines. And uh, we will try to get to as many of your questions and issues you're raising as possible. This is Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm Lisa Evers. We'll be right back. WQHT and WQHT HD1 New York. This is Hot 97 Street Soldiers, hosted by Lisa Evers on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. This is a special two-hour live episode of Street Soldiers on the coronavirus epidemic. How we can cope, what we need to know, what you need to know to keep yourself and your loved ones and your community as safe as possible as we go into what they're predicting are the darkest days and most dangerous time of this pandemic. Joining me in studio is Dr. Emmanuel Manny Fambu. He's a physician and award-winning author, a medical and digital innovator, and uh, also joining us on the phone is Dr. Lenny Golightly. She is with Cornell Wiles. She's an infectious disease specialist. And Manny, thank you for being with us throughout the show here and, and taking the phone calls. We're going to be taking your phone calls at 1-800-223-9797. Your questions and comments on my Instagram page, at Lisa Evers. Um, Dr. Golightly, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to speak with the community about this disease. Dr. Golightly, you've studied a lot of diseases all around the world. Why is this one so infectious and why are we seeing so much devastation as a result of it? I think that we really don't know so much about why we're having such a problem with this particular one. You know, we have viruses that circulate every single year. 
Many people know we have the flu, you get colds. This one in particular is causing a lot of illness, which leads to disease and, and death. And so it's one of the things that you get all the time. You just don't realize it because it doesn't kill so many people. Now, one of the things that we're seeing and that we started talking about here on Hot 97 earlier this week on our on Hot97.com and also on the social media, and I was posting on my Instagram page, at Lisa Evers, is the number of people who were not in the initial risk category who were, were contracting the disease and testing positive for it. Governor Cuomo says more than half, just over half, the cases in New York City now are people between the ages of 18 and 49. Is this because it, it's mutating or we don't know what's going on or people? Why is that happening? Because initially that didn't seem to be a concern. Right. So they call it the epidemiology of the disease. What is it when you study? How does something spread? Where is it? And if you think about it, the people who are not so severely affected, that they have to be hospitalized and need breathing machines, you're not going to know they're there. They'll get what looks like a mild cold, and they'll keep walking. And we don't know. We didn't know that all of those people were there. So now we're finding out that many younger people are actually sick, and that's why it's important to look now at what each and every one of us is doing because they can pass it on to somebody that's at risk for more severe disease, and those people will die. We're also realizing, again, since it's a new disease, and we didn't know that much about it, but some of those younger people are also getting very sick. So it's no time to play games either with your health or the people that you love. Each and every one of us has a responsibility, a solemn responsibility, to try to not get sick, and if they do get sick, to work as hard as they can to not pass it on to someone else. And you may be passing it on to someone else when you don't even know you're sick. What about um, in terms of some of the theories, because a lot of people and I'm glad you're making that point because a lot of people figured, oh, well, I'm not in any specific group. I'm relatively healthy. I don't really need to worry about this. I can go about my life. I can go to the club. I can do whatever I'm going to do. Go to spring break. And yet we're seeing more and more more of these cases that people are. So basically, are you saying nobody is immune from this at this point? That is absolutely true. No one is immune. For many of the colds and things that go around, you know, we get them all the time. And you don't think about it. You, me, we don't know how many people have had it. And we can pass it on. So it's very important. You know, a lot of us wonder what can we do to help, to help somebody else. In this case, it's just very, very clear. Any one of us can be a vector, as we call it. Someone who can pass it on to someone else. So it's time to be very careful, and that's why they're having the sorts of things that are going in place today with pause, where everyone is asked, if at all possible, to stay in, because anyone and everyone might be passing it on to someone else. And we're not the only place. As you know, many other countries in the world have been doing that, many other municipalities and states, to try to keep people from being together, because in those settings, people that are not and don't know that they're infected can be passing it on. So sneaking out to the club, going and gathering in groups, you could really be endangering someone. So please stay home for this period. Let's all work together as a community and protect each other. All right, Dr. Uh, Manny? Yeah, sure. To add to that, Lisa, you know, the flu has been around for close to 500 years, right? So we have experience with the flu, but this is extremely new. So if you look at the incubation period, for example, the incubation period for typical flu is between five to seven days. You know, for coronavirus, we're looking at 14 days, right? And so we've had time for our bodies to become immune and we have uh, medications to manage uh, the regular flu. But for this, this is very new. We have no experience about this. And we don't know if this is seasonal or not. 
for the flu, we know during cold seasons, right, we get a flu. But we don't know if this is this will go around through the summer, right? We have no idea about this. So we don't know anything about this. So it's very important for everyone to stay home. And for why we, we uh, develop the vaccines for this and make sure we protect ourselves. Dr. Golayli, you, st- you study the tra- you know, the, these infectious diseases and the patterns and how they progress or whatever the medical terminology is for that. What do you see happening? Give us a big picture of what you see happening with this now. Because we, we do hear some hope about possible vaccines. We do hear that there's uh, going to be more supplies made available. Um, people, Some people are, a lot of people are staying off the streets and in their homes. What do you see in the days and weeks ahead for us? That's the thing that's so scary about this pandemic is we don't know. We haven't faced this before. We can look at what happened in China. They really clamped down hard on people going out, people staying in and trying to keep track of everyone. And they're still learning. So we really have to face it head on. This is a pandemic worldwide problem what and about the fear is that it will really continue if we don't try to get it under control so you know this whole thing about a big burst of people being sick they're trying to cut that down so that only a few people are sick at a time and we don't overwhelm our hospital system that's the concern is that there'll be too many people in the hospital who need breathing machines and we don't have enough are we talking weeks are we talking months right now we're looking at i, I would say definitely months but nobody can say for sure how long. And that's why we can each do our part to try to shorten that by not having it pass through our community in large numbers so that a lot of people aren't sick at one time. I should also say is that you may not know if your neighbor's immunocompromised. You may not know that that person sitting next oh, to you is really in a high-risk right. category. And, you know, you may not be thinking. You go out and do something, and, yeah, you know, you're, you're there with your grandmother, and, and maybe she has diabetes. You're there with someone who you, you really care about, and you don't know that they have heart disease. Um, you're there with somebody you care about, and, and they have a disease where they're on drugs, which make them immunocompromised. So we really have to be careful. But with looking long-term. I remember that video of the, the, the college kid partying in Florida, right, <laughs> right for spring break, and he says, "If I get coronavirus, I get coronavirus." But it's not about you, right? right? It's about your They're neighbor. Just think, it's about like, your like I'll survive it, Correct. survive it, and they don't understand this contagion thing. Let me let me ask both of you, Doctor Golightly and Doctor Fambu. There have been internet stories, a lot of them, and and just I've, people have asked me this <laughs> directly. You know exactly what I'm gonna what I'm gonna ask you about is that people of African descent cannot get coronavirus because when you look at those maps where those red hot zones are thank god there's not that many yet in uh in africa dr manny what do you think about that well background wise my family's from cameroon so i'm, I'm african <laughs> uh, um, and, I'll, and i'll tell you that even uh, right now in cameroon uh, all flights have been halted. Uh, we have flights that came in. We have, um, I think, uh, of us today, about 10 infections of coronavirus in Cameroon. Uh, a very popular uh, musician from Congo, Oluz Mabile, died a couple of days ago in Paris um, from coronavirus. Oh right? So, yes, uh, it, can spread, it can spread to tropical areas. And, yes, Africans and African-Americans can get it and die from it. Dr. Golaili, what about that? Absolutely, absolutely. You know, I work in global health. Um, I also, uh, right now, the cases are over half of all countries in Africa have cases occurring. They're not just travelers. They have evidence of local transmission that's being passed from one person of African descent or in Africa to another person. And in our community, again, we don't know that epidemiology. We don't know who all has it. We haven't been able to test everyone. Let's not test in our community to see if we can get it. 
Let's work to keep it out. Okay, but absolutely, positively, we can get it, and there's evidence of that. Okay, but Dr. Golightly, uh, the in terms in terms of the testing, there's been a lot of controversy about that. Later on in the show, we're going to have um, uh, social worker Lashawn Paul. She's going to talk about where you can get tested. We've seen these uh, testing sites that have opened. These drive-through testing sites. There's been a shortage of tests now. There's news that there may be a 45-minute turnaround on test results, so that the medical, so that doctors like yourselves can get these results much, much faster. Where is the testing right now and who should get tested? Right now, people should not, and I I did not mean to mislead anyone, right now, you should not be trying to go and just get tested. They're trying very much. We need to discourage that. I want to repeat that. We should not just be going trying to get testing. The tests are now in short supply. And it's again, it's a fluid situation. It changes day to day. But they don't have enough, enough tests. They're trying to get that. Yes, there are now. New tests are coming on board that have been approved for that 45-minute turnaround time. But they're trying to prioritize people who really need hospitalization so they will know who has coronavirus and who doesn't have coronavirus. So, wh- so, so who should get that. I'm sorry. So who should get tested? You should Manny. get tested if, if you have uh, symptoms, right? So if you, if you have... Let's go through them, please. Correct. If you have fever, right, and you have a cough, you have difficulty breathing, or you, uh, or you have a runny nose, uh, those are symptoms uh, in this particular time that put you at high risk possibly of having coronavirus. If you talk to your doctor, then your doctor could then order the test. But if you are just that, at home... That's absolutely right. Correct. If you're just They're at home worried, don't, don't rush out and start looking for a test without having symptoms. Dr. Golightly? That's right. What they'd really like to do is to now have it move so that in the you go and you see your physician, you call. Call first. If you go, they're going to have you to put on a mask so you don't infect anyone else once you get there. Fever, high fever, cough, Shortness of breath, difficulty breathing, those are signs that you may have a severe infection. If you have any of the underlying um, conditions that may cause you to get more severe disease, you need to take that very seriously. If you have diabetes, um, heart disease, uh, hypertension, things like this, cardiovascular disease, uh, cancer, those are things that will put you at higher risk. But we're really trying now to, to screen out and not have everyone tested. So not to overwhelm the medical system. But let me ask you in terms of just some basics, because there's been a lot of information. And, and as you both are saying, this is kind of like a learn-as-you-go type of process for the medical community, because this is something completely new. In terms of transmission, Manny, Dr. Manny, the people were, were told it's these moisture droplets. Is that really the only way? And then now we're being told about surfaces and that it can live on surfaces for days, you know, possibly days. Correct. So um, coronavirus is very interesting. So in, in the initial phases of this, um, we didn't believe that you could actually spread it through air droplets, right? And so, so I go to through airports, people have face masks and all, all this. But literally now, I mean, from a study by New England Journal of Medicine, we know that um, it can live in the air for up to three hours. Um, we know that it could live on copper surfaces for up to uh, four hours, on cardboards for 24 hours, and plastic and stainless steel for two to three days uh, after that. Dr. Golightly, what about that? We're still learning. The studies that they're doing that show that long-term exposure in the, the problems in the air and on surfaces, they're literally doing where they mechanically generate these aerosols to see how long might it stay. And so he's right. There's concern that it might do that and stay in the air, these tiny little droplets. And then once you get it in your mucous membranes, you know, around your eyes, in your mouth, things like that, you can become infected. So you really need to 
take that to heart and be careful. That's why they're saying to stay six feet away from someone else because that's around the perimeter, the area around a person where those droplets might be hanging in the air. And they want you to try to stay away from people, wash your hands. Everybody's looking for hand sanitizer, but let's remind everybody, soap is in plentiful supply and it can do the job. Wash those hands well. And it's a lot cheaper. Try to stay a lot cheaper. It's a lot cheaper right now. (laughs) A lot cheaper, and just keep that distance from people. If you have to go out, try to keep that distance away from people. And again, I'm not. We're not saying that testing, and it is confusing. Um, that testing does not have its place. But right now, we're really not trying just to pick up the person who doesn't have symptoms and is walking around and is fine. Since we don't have that many tests, we're trying to find out who actually has it, who is having these uh, severe symptoms of unable to breathe and uh, a dry cough and fever and get them into the hospital as needed. And Dr. Golaylee, in terms of the uh, inf- people wanting information, I mean, we refer people to CDC, we refer people to the New York State and New York City Health Department pages. Is there any place else that people should be looking? They can look there. Um, they can look, um, you know, I'm with Wild Cornell. Wildcornell.org has information for patients. But I would really ask people to make sure you're going to a credible site and a credible organization. Yes. You know, nobody means anybody harm, but we, we, you get scared and people start sending things around. I get all sorts of texts and calls from relatives and they're afraid of this and that. And, and the, it, it is scary, but be scared of something real. And this is real. This is a problem. And the things that we can do to protect ourselves sound simple, but if it's simple and it works, do it. Avoid contact with other people to the extent that you can, and do, be responsible about how you come in contact with other people. If you're sick, stay home. If you're showing these signs of being very sick, seek out health care. And, um, you know, let's look out for one another in our community. And so these, the, these tips is washing the hands and keeping the distance, the hashtag stay at home. These are not just little slogans, you know, meant to make people feel good. They're actual medically sound practices that people need to start doing. Correct. And the the, the sooner we do it, and the more we do it, the sooner we'll get back to normal. Let's hope so. That's right. And then once we get back to normal, (laughs) hopefully we'll figure out a lot of the answers to the things we're talking about so we can all be more ready next time. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Golightly, thank you so much for being with us. Dr. Lenny Golightly, we appreciate it. Dr. Manny Bambu staying with us in the studio. And we're going to get to your telephone calls. 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. What do you do if you're an essential worker and you have to be out there? What do you do if you have to transport people who are are sick what do you like our, our uh, paramedics what do you do if you're out there in grocery stores keeping the stores open we're going to find out when we come back 1-800-223-9797 street soldiers lisa evers here with you wqht and wqht hd1 new york this is hot 97 street soldiers hosted by lisa evers on hot 97 Welcome back to this special episode of Street Soldiers Coping with the Coronavirus. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We're taking your telephone calls at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Post your questions or comments on my Instagram page, at Lisa Evers. Uh, Facebook, Lisa Evers Official. And also Twitter, at Lisa Evers. And joining me in studio is Dr. Manny Fambu. He's a physician and award-winning author, a medical and digital innovator. We're going to 
see if he has any uh, hopeful ideas about what the future can bring with us. He also has an MBA, Ivy League educated, long list of credentials. Dr. Manny, thank you so much for being with us for this. Thanks for having me. We really appreciate it. And we're going to take your phone calls at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Dr. Manny, as you know, because you're a Street Soldiers listener, we have many uh, people in our communities who are working as home attendants. They're going into the homes of people who are very sick. We have people who work as, uh, you know, they, they transport them, whether it's accessoride, whether it's these medivans. They're transporting people who are sick. We have our, our first responders, of course. What about them? What can they do to protect themselves? Can a mask really protect you? You see, uh, so that's that's another scary part, right? So caregivers also could be patients as well, right? You could be a caregiver right. because you need to survive and you have to work. Or you could have an immune condition and you could have family members that are also, uh, also sick. So I think it's very important for frontline workers to actually protect themselves, right? So put on- What, what does that mean? So put on gloves, for example, right? Uh, make sure you, you wash your hands uh, at least for 20 seconds. Uh, as frequent as possible, even if your hands become ashy, just keep washing the hands, right? You probably put some lotion on it. Uh, be careful. Now we worry about handshaking, for example, and we do, um, you know, the elbow bumps. But what happens when you open the door? What happens when you get in the elevator? What happens when you use an ATM machine? Um, you know, All just, these things. Correct. Just last week, um, I was in emergency, I mean, urgent care um, in New York City uh, visiting a friend uh, who's a physician. And I'll tell you, um, I watched patients show up and everyone had a mask on. But they literally had to go up to this touch screen to actually enter, you know, your name and register. And I was sitting there watching. Everyone has a face mask, but everyone is using their fingers to actually touch the same screen. Exactly. <laughs> Correct, right? And this is happening today across the, bo- across the board. With ATMs, we need cash. And this is happening. So we need to all protect ourselves. Um, you know, so I think uh, putting on gloves, put on your mask, you know, wash your hands. Um, if, you, if you have any kind of symptoms or you're a cough, please stay home. <laughs> Maybe don't go to work. Let someone else cover for you. But it's very important that we, we look out but, for this. But things. we've also heard that these most of the masks that people are wearing don't work i've seen like yesterday i saw practically i pretty much a lot i would say more than half of the people out had masks on but do these masks just these plain surgical masks do, do they really do anything no you have a specific um like the n95 mask right. uh, that's specific uh, that could actually filter um the air of uh, in this so your, your traditional mask uh might not fully protect you but i'm sure it's better than nothing because <laughs> at least case. it will keep if somebody's like spraying coughing or sneezing or whatever it'll give you some protection correct and one of the key things here why you have to wash your hands is to protect you from uh, you know using your hands to touch your face or your mouth like or rubbing your, nose. your eye or correct, rubbing your like eyes which, which i do all the time too right i mean I, I try to avoid it but for some reason i feel like i just need to itch my nose for some reason right exactly <laughs> right it's, it's so you could at least prevent you from from uh, touching your face and you can't do that all right 1-800-223-9797 uh dr manny fambu is with us in the studio we're taking your telephone calls at 1-800-223-9797 and let's go to uh let's go to to barbara right now barbara hi you're on hot 97 go right ahead Yes, good morning to you both. Thank you for having such an informative show. Uh, my question is this. I know that they're telling everybody to wash their hands and try to stay, you know, as clean as possible. The thing is that I noticed in the last few days uh, when the stations were interviewing some of the people who sadly had contracted this, a lot of the men I noticed have beards and facial hair, and I'm wondering if at this time, because of this sad situation, maybe uh, the men should not have beards and facial hair at this time. Maybe they should be clean-shaven to help 
to stop the spread of the uh, of the virus. Don't have 12-inch long nails for the women. Uh, don't have hair on your head that's down to your buttocks. Oh, okay, okay, Barbara, Barbara, let, let me let me let me get a uh, response from Dr. Manny. Okay, because we all know beards are like very big in style right now. Long nails are in style. Um, what about what she's saying? Can you can you could you hold the you know could you hold the virus in your hair? Correct. I mean, it's, um, it's. I'm not cutting my hair. I'll tell you right now. No, correct. So um, I think the idea of getting everyone to cut your hair and shave their beards um, is definitely um, on the extreme side of things. Uh, Especially but- since the barber shops and the hair salons and nail salons were, were put on lockdown in New York State last night. Correct. So you can't even get a haircut <laughs> if you wanted to, right? And, and so, no, I do agree with the caller. I mean, I, I, I think that I think the, the best idea here is to maintain proper hygiene, right? So if you have a beard or hair, just keep it clean. Uh, if you have long nails, keep them clean. Uh, wash your hands. Wash your hair. Um, and if we keep if we stay clean and maintain proper hygiene, I think we'll all just be fine. All right, let's go to Malik right now. Malik, hi, you're on Hot 97 with Lisa Evers and Dr. Manny Fambu. Go right ahead. Okay, good morning. Um, my question is, if if the virus can live on plastic and different types of uh, surfaces, why are they still allowing some of the workers that's in, in, in essential uh, grocery stores and food services to wear plastic gloves transmitting uh, credit cards and money and stuff like that and things of that nature? All right, that's a good that's a good question, Malik. Let me find out. Let's let's hear what Doctor Manny has to say about that. Yeah, correct. So um, I went, actually went to a local deli the other day, right? And the cashier had gloves on and had the protective mask on, right? And so if you go around, I think that's you're right. So it does live in the surfaces, and we know that. And so what do we do about this? Is cleaning, right? You have to make sure we, we clean uh, the environment. Con- like continuous wipe down is very important, and I think we should not ignore the fact that um, you know that we, we we do get to touch cash, we do get to touch ATM machines and cards. So that's why we should wash our hands. Not only after you shake hands, but you have to touch cash and all these things. Touching a door, elevators, yes. So it's a very important for us not to ignore that, part, that, that, that piece of it. And, and you told me something I want to share with everybody is you said that if you're wearing gloves that, but, and you're touching everything and you're tu- then you touch your face with the gloves, you're defeating the whole purpose. Correct. You are defeating the whole purpose. All right, let's go 1-800-223-9797. Let's go to Roy right now. Roy, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Yeah, how you doing, Lisa? This is uh, Roy Winfield calling out of North Amityville. Listen, um... Roy, hold on one second, please. Could you please turn your radio down in the background? Yeah, yeah, my radio's down. Okay. Okay, now, the question is this for the doc. Um, like, being a uh, professor of theory, I'm coming up to um, the question, like, are we really being blinded by where this COVID-19 virus really is coming from? Is it really in the air, but we are actually throwing the people off epidemically by saying, oh, we're going to catch it from people breathing on us or from touching surfaces when all in nationality it's becoming too powerful so is it in the air but that's what's being epidemically held from from us from the people all right so let let, let me so your your question is basically if is it just in the air period almost i think what he means is almost like a biochemical you know, like like some type of biological warfare. You know what what those kind of scenarios is it just in the air? Period. Everywhere. So, so think about it this way: if you sneeze, uh, I'm sure everyone has sneezed. Yes. <laughs> right, your life, right? If you sneeze, you have like droplets that come out of your nose, right? And it goes on your hands. It goes. Some goes in the air. So it's the same kind of idea here, right? But the difference here is what we're saying is if you 
if the, if the virus can live in the air for up to three hours after, right? And so you, if, if it drops on, on on a cardboard, right? We, we mentioned, um, you know, 24 hours or, you know, plastic and stainless steel for two to three days. And this is all data from uh, information from the New England Journal of Medicine, which is uh, highly respected. Yes, so it is around us and this information is, has been made very public. And, and so that's why it's very important for us to stay home. If you stay home and there's no one in your immediate environment that is, uh, that, that is, uh, infected or, ha or has, uh, the contamination, then you, you don't have to worry about that, right? And so that's why we think that the best thing is for people to stay in, right? And not be, ex not expose other people to the public. I mean, don't expose other people in the public to this. And if we do this, we can control and mitigate this. All right. So that's, that's why we got to stay in as much as possible. Let's go to, um, Eddie right now. Eddie, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hey, good morning, everyone. My name is Eddie from Brooklyn. Um, my question is, I've had a few symptoms that, you know, sound like coronavirus type for the last few days. Uh, I want to say three days now. I've been having a shortness of breath, which is scaring me. Uh, and I have a family, a newborn baby coming on the way and a two-year-old son. So it's hard for me to uh, function throughout my day. And I'm afraid that if I am affected, um, I don't know where to get look, uh, where to get help. I've called the New York City hotline and they're like 42 number waiting list and i don't know if i should get checked and uh i'm afraid of a lot of things you know do you have fever uh i don't have a fever but i've been uh like uh sh the shortness of breath has not gone away for like three four days now and uh i've i've maybe sneezed once and, and a runny nose but nothing consistent so i'm i, I don't know here i'm on a borderline and, and just my conscience is telling me you know, the uncertainty is what, what just scares me a lot. And then me being around my family and having to is a lot of things. Okay. Um, let's, let me get a couple of, uh, let me get a couple of suggestions, Eddie, from, uh, from Dr. Manny about this, because for the first issue is family members. It's one thing if you have a big house and you can, you know, isolate your people can isolate themselves in different parts of the house for most of the time while everybody is doing the stay at home thing. But what about the what about when you have family members, especially small children around in terms of keeping them safe? Correct. So the, the, the first thing actually uh, for the caller is don't be scared and don't don't be anxious. Um, you know, I think I, I think it's normal for you to, you know, to, to, to have anxiety around this. Right. It, this right. Is, is a very hot topic. Everyone is talking about it. But the first thing is calm down. <laughs> don't be terrified. Uh, we have fortunate enough to, to live in a country with an with a incredible health system. And we have incredible doctors in the area, right? In, especially in New York City area. But let me just stop you right there. If we have an incredible, well, let's, let's, let's take care of Eddie first. Because <laughs> you're saying incredible system and then we got, we got doctors stapling these masks together and, and trying to make 3D masks so that they can cope with it. But in terms of Eddie, so for his, for, for himself, if he, if he doesn't have the high fever, then you can't. I know you can't diagnose because it's o over the air. No, and correct. I, but no, the chances diagnose. are very low. Correct. So I I think uh, to, you know you have symptoms. Uh, you said you might have some fever. I think you should go into. That's this is the time for you to go into an urgent care center and speak to someone. Right. Definitely get in touch with a clinician because the sooner. You find out what it is, whether it's whether infected or not. Right. right? The, the better you should protect against your own family members, right? So. And are there regular types of flu where you can have shortness of breath like that? Yeah, correct. Yes. So that's and what I'm saying. Panic attacks and too. Panic attacks. Yes. So it, it is normal. So from the symptoms you've described to me, there's no way to say if it's coronavirus or or it's uh, an. But allergy. the lack of a fever is a good sign. It is a good sign, but I think you should speak to a clinician to, you know, to rule that out, right? So you should definitely uh, walk into urgent care center. I'm sure there's one around you or the emergency room and definitely see a clinician. All right, let's go to uh, Sarah right now. Sarah, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. 
Yes, hello? Hello, Sarah, you're on the air. Go right ahead. Please turn the radio down in the background. Okay, my name is Lee. Okay, uh, Lee. I know we have a, a, a issue here. Uh, it seems no one's paying attention to what's supposed to be going on. It's supposed to lose the regulations. Now, I've noticed that uh, if somebody walks past you, their coffin spit on like they're being spiteful. And uh, I don't think that's right. And we have a curfew here. And I'm noticing Where are you? What, what, what uh, area are you in, Lee? We're in East Orange, New Jersey. Okay. Now, we have a curfew. There's supposed to be nobody on the streets between 8 and 5 o'clock in the morning. But I'm noticing uh, that we got teenagers roaming the streets starting trouble. So if they don't understand how serious this is, they need to really listen. I don't know if their parents are talking to them or not, but this is scary. Because if you're not listening, then, you know, when something happens to you, then what? No, exactly. It's it's very, very scary. And if people, and, and let me just say this to people who are asking about these curfews that they've, uh, you know, they've tightened it up in Newark and, and just, and also in terms of the, the no crowds in, in New York City, they are actively enforcing these laws. The police are going around, the, the local law enforcement officials are going around. So if you're out after curfews, if you're um, not abiding by the closure for your establishment, uh, you, you will be warned. And then if you don't heed that warning and do it again, you will you will be fine. Correct. And not abiding to this is actually being extremely selfish, right? Um, that means you're putting everyone's life at risk. <laughs> it's not just yours, right? So I think it's very important for everyone, young or old, you know, to respect, um, you know, the rules that we have that we put in place. Uh, we should not have, you know, police officers having to walk around, you know, to risk their lives to, to help you protect your own life and the life of others. Exactly. And the, uh, the, the police officers, a lot of the first responders too, they haven't been able to get tested. They want to get tested. Should they be, should there be a system in place in an ideal world where all first responders and people in these critical jobs, because let's not forget our sanitation workers, the cleaners and all the buildings and facilities and hospitals and medical centers, should they be able to get tested at some point? If you get exposed then uh, you know and you you are at high risk, you definitely get tested um, right so if you look at uh, you know like several politicians that have been exposed you know to, to people uh, even the, even the president himself right you get tested because you you've been exposed to a high risk, but it's not for everyone to get tested all right dr may let's get back to the phones let's go to Kevin right now Kevin hi you're on hot ninety seven go right ahead hey how are you? I just wanted to make a question for the okay, go right ahead. All right. Um, I, as a as a provider, a new provider, um, when do you get checked out? If you have like a family, when when do you when do you actually stop and get checked out? Even though you're asymptomatic. Um, wait. If I have symptoms, that's when I'll get tested, um, right? Or if I got exposed to someone directly that had. Um, uh, the symptoms, and I did not take uh, universal uh, precautions. Remember, uh, clinicians in general, doctors, nurses, we are at the front lines of, of this. So this is not, I mean, we, we, our day-to-day -day lives of seeing patients, you always uh, have the mindset of you could be exposed, right? So right. while for the general public, this is new, this is, what, this is nothing new to clinicians in general. So every patient that comes into every emergency room at any given time, um, we protect ourselves, you know, to expect that this is something that we could be exposed to, right? So for, for clinicians, it's universal precautions that have taken place. We just need more access, you know, to more equipment to further protect ourselves based on the volume of things that are coming in. And you, you say the, the equipment thing has been a huge issue. We're seeing some, some breaks in that, more resources coming in, more masks coming in, things like that, the, ventil the, the ventilators. Why weren't we prepared for this? 
that's um, is that a long question for another segment? That's not another segment, but that's up to uh, you know to administrators um, and the politicians the government and, and, the and, the and the government, right? Uh, and we've never seen anything like this. Correct. To be fair. But to be fair, also I, I was listening to um, the governor of uh, um, uh, Cuomo's uh, press conference yesterday, right? And and I think um, the state is doing uh, all they can to make sure we have equipment in place, uh, right, to catch up. It's, oh, they are. They're looking at the Javits Center, turning that into a, almost like a triage center. Correct. They are right. And uh, fortunately, I mean, there's enough space there, you know, to. Open that up, um, but I think um, the state is working hard, and so hopefully next time we are better prepared. All right, hopefully there won't be a next time. One eight hundred two two three ninety seven ninety seven. This is Street Soldiers. I'm your host Lisa Evers. Joining me is Dr. Manny Fambu, and we're taking your phone calls. One eight hundred two two three ninety seven ninety seven, and on Instagram at Lisa Evers. And uh, when we come back, more of your telephone calls and more information. WQHT and WQHT HD One New York. This is Hot ninety seven Street Soldiers, hosted by Lisa Evers on Hot ninety seven. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. This is a special two-hour live episode on the coronavirus epidemic, coping with the coronavirus. If you're listening to us on 97.1 FM here in New York City, text your family and friends who are out of state, around the world, anywhere. They can listen live on the Hot 97 app and also hot97.com. We're taking your telephone calls as well at 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Joining me in studio is Dr. Emmanuel Manny Fambu. He's a physician and award-winning author, a medical and digital innovator, and uh, has an MBA in Ivy League credentials and a whole long list of accomplishments. So he's here helping us answer your telephone calls. Dr. Manny, we keep getting these questions about the transmission. So the touching is very important. And there's one, there's a caller here right now that uh, I'd like us to address. Matt, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Yes, good morning. Um, my name is Matthew um, from Queens. Um, I drive for Lyft and Uber. Um, my question is, how do we protect ourselves as a driver? Because we really don't have any choice on uh, selecting and picking who to pick at this time. So um, for us in the city, it's really tough. We can't really do anything. This is what we do for a living. So um, for us, do we need to put on the mask, the glove, or what is the best way to really defend ourselves? Excellent question, and and, and thank you for the work that you're doing, uh, keeping people moving and people getting to these essential jobs that they need to do. Dr. Manny, what can he do? First of all, thank you for the work you do. That's how I got to the studio this morning. Yeah. <laughs> right, through Uber. Shout out. <laughs> and Lyft, right? So so, yeah, so so definitely, I think about it. So as a driver, I, I, I will look at myself just like someone else, everyone else uh, on the front lines of this, right? So. Right. What, how could you be exposed if someone is behind the car and someone sneezes? So you could get, uh, contaminated through like air droplets. So that's one way, right? Um, if someone uh, sneezes on your hands, so they have your hands are contaminated and they open the door, you know, they, they definitely could transfer those droplets onto the door, right? And we talked about how long, you know, um, the virus could actually live on these different surfaces, right? Even if they sit on the chair, they put your hands behind the chair. Right. So it's not just about the driver, but also the, the passenger that comes after the passenger that got in before them, right? So I think the best way as a universal precaution will be, yes, I would definitely wear a mask um, if, if you have access to one, uh, just to, to be extra uh, cautious. Um, I think wiping down, you, you know, the door handles. Like some of those alcohol wipes, if you can still get them. Correct, right? yes. If you have like an alcohol wipe um, in the car, definitely, um, I, I, I think uh, it's something that you could put on your hands. And then later later on the show as well, if you keep listening, uh, I'll discuss some, some, some of the work that we are doing as well on nanotechnology that could actually help on this. Exactly. We're going to talk about that later a little 
little bit later on in the show. We've got a lot of urgent questions right now. Let's go to Ray. Ray, hi, you're on Hot 97 with Lisa Evers, Street Soldiers, and Dr. Manny. Go right ahead. Hi, how are you today? All right, how are you doing, Ray? Hello. Good. I, I work as a flight attendant, and unfortunately, my airline gives me only 25 minutes to clean the plane with 50 passengers, like 50 passenger seats. I'm just wondering, what can I do to do more I can do for my passengers? I wipe down the seats, cup holders, armrests, seatbelts too, but I tried to come up to my airlines and I told them about it and I delayed a flight maybe six minutes in the terminal, in the Concorde, but the plane landed 46 minutes late and I got written up for it, for being delayed as and I was just, you know, concerned about everybody else's health. How can I do, what can I do as a faster way to clean things and not get in trouble for it in some ways? All right, Ray, let's uh, let's get an answer. Thank, thank you for the work that you do. And hopefully, uh, you know, this is where if you're in a union, this is where some of the unions come in to allow the workers to do take more time in order to put it, those precautions in place and do do deeper, deeper cleaning in, in terms of disinfecting. In terms of what he's doing, what's available right now? I know we're going to talk about some things a little later of the future, what, what we can look forward to. But what about right now? What can he do? Like, do these aerosol sprays work? These disinfectant aerosol sprays? That, that's the interesting uh, piece of this is when you use uh, any of these uh, sprays right now, what you're doing is you are basically eliminating the bacterial virus or mold that is, at that, uh, is, on, is at that, on that surface at a particular time, right? Right. But immediately after you're done, what happens? Someone walks in and someone sneezes. And so despite all the cleaning you just did, it absolutely has no value in protection. And so what we need are, are, are solutions that have more long-term benefits, right? Things that could last 60 days, 90 days, right? So you don't have to keep wiping and spraying every five after seconds. After every person. Correct. Exactly. So I think that's what is, is, is in, in the market right now. is a big gap in it, which we'll talk, we'll talk about this uh, later down in, down in um, during our discussion today. Yeah. But there are better solutions. That but for him, now, for him right now... And, and also as a flight attendant, should he be wearing a mask? Should he be asking for one of those really good N95 masks as he's going around close into those tray tables, those cup holders and where people have been, you know, the, even those little plastic window shades and things? Correct. Definitely. Yes, I, I think it should because people walk in planes and people sneeze as well, right? Uh, people travel between uh, places. People are high risk um, in, in airports. So I think... Uh, uh, being able to protect yourself, I think is great. And I think uh, wiping down is the best we can do right now. Um, but keep up the good job. All right, 1-800-223-9797. This is Street Soldiers, our special coronavirus, coping with a coronavirus epidemic, taking your calls and questions for Dr. Manny and everybody on the line, G, Lara, um, Juana, everybody else, hang on. We'll get to your telephone calls at 1-800-223-9797 when we come back. WQHT and WQHT HD1 New York. This is Hot 97 Street Soldiers, hosted by Lisa Evers on Hot 97. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. I, that was a very short break. Sorry about that. Um, I'm just talk, talking with our guests here. This is our special two-hour live coronavirus special, Coping with the Coronavirus. I'm joined in studio by Dr. Emmanuel Manny Fambu. He's a physician and award-winning author, medical and digital innovator, MBA, very active in um, medical technology. Dr. Manny, just for a minute or two, because you are a futurist, as you describe it. In terms of what we can look to coming out of this and what you're looking at and some of the things you're working on are we is there going to be a time where we don't have to worry about every person possibly infecting us 
Correct. And uh, I, I, yes, I definitely think there'll be a time, but I think it's also an interesting time for us to have a different kind of mindset, right? Uh, in healthcare today, we have been very um, reactive, right? So we wait till we get symptoms of any disease, whether it's diabetes or heart, or heart disease or cancer, whatever it is. And then we start seeking care. This is the very first time in, in our history in healthcare where we're actually more proactive, right? right? So you're not saying, let me get disease and then manage it. You're saying, how can I avoid having disease? So I think this mindset should not only apply to, th- to coronavirus, but across the board, right, going forward. So I think it's a very interesting uh, time in history of, of medicine. All right, let's take uh, 1-800-223-9797. Let's go to Joanna right now. Joanna, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Okay, I'm a home health aide from Brooklyn. Um, Now, what do we as home health aides do? Because we're subjected to all different types of illnesses as far as the elderly or just regular, you know, at-home people that need care at home. We're not supplied the proper, you know, PPE in order to take care of a lot of these patients. What's a, a lot of Dr. That, May, what's a PPE? You know, personal protective equipment. Oh, okay. Personal protective equipment. It's, it's medical like, lingo. Medical lingo. Okay, <laughs> we're just, uh, I'm not a doctor. Just, just trying to make sure we're all on the it's same okay. page here. So, so, Joanna, do you, are you concerned, like, when you, like, have you had experiences in the last couple of weeks where you've gone into a home where you've dealt with some, tell us, tell us about why you're so concerned about this. Why? Because, I'm not just dealing with my client, right? I'm dealing with my client and their family members, okay? We're there for the client, yes. But, you know, you have family members that they go, there's coughing, there's a lot of, you know, spitting and things of that nature. Sometimes we have to change them. So we're, we're... in contact with a lot of body fluids. Okay, let, let's get uh, Dr. Manny's advice on that. Thank you very much. What, what about that? For, first of all, if she's she's going in there for one particular patient, there's other family members, she needs to ask them to move to another room if there's another room. Correct. I mean, I'm a physician today, but I started off my career um, actually as a home health aide. So I, I literally understand. My mom is a nurse, and so I understand exactly <laughs> what, what you're talking about. And so if you look at things in general, uh, being a home health aide, things like hepatitis, for example, right? People you get exposed to uh, in general. But let's talk about coronavirus uh, specifically. And so this is beyond, I think the least you could do is have PPE provided to you by by your agency or by the company that employs you, right? Not, not only because of this risk of you getting infected, but you actually getting other people on the other side infected. The right. patients that you're taking care of that are vulnerable, right? Because on a day-to-day basis, when you leave that house or that home and you go home on your way home, you probably take an Uber ride, right? You hold the door, just like we talked about earlier. You, you use the ATM to get machine money out of the ATM machine, right? You go to the grocery store, you open the door. So all these different surfaces are being are, are contaminated, contaminated. If you show up and you're not protected and you touch this person, you actually get this person sick and get the family members sick, right? So it's very important that everyone should protect it, especially the workers on the front lines. I know, Lisa, you mentioned this earlier, right? About shortage, even in hospitals where doctors are actually, and nurses are working hard to actually make up their own, their own face mask, right? So I think this is the at the forefront of it, beyond uh, uh, preventing this, we have to make sure that the f- workers at the, f- at the front lines are well equipped and protected. All right, one eight hundred two two three ninety seven ninety seven. Let's go to uh, Laura right now. Laura, hi, you're on Hot ninety seven. Go right ahead. Hi, Lisa. Love you. Hi, doctor. Um, the woman I live with has Corona. She's in the hospital now. Has been for a week. My question is, um, I think I may have had it, but you know, there's not enough tests out here, so we can't get tested. A couple of weeks ago, I had a very bad cough, 
Um, once you have it, do you build an immunity? That's my question to the doctor. Oh, that's an excellent question. Thank you very much for that. Um, can you build an immunity? Like I, I, you know, if you if you have the flu or had the flu, and I've heard people say, "Oh, well, I think I had coronavirus and I just got over it." Are you now immune to it? Quick, that, that's a great question, and and uh, like I said, this, this is a very new virus that we are still uh, trying to, to to understand and learn more about it. But like any, any other infection, uh, yes, when you have an infection, your body produces antibodies to it, right? Uh, but I've also seen cases where people got reinfected again. It's like you, know, you could get the flu shot and still get a flu, <laughs> right? So there's no definitely way to say, well, because you had it, you, you could never have it again. But we don't know. So research is still out there. But I will uh, just like uh, a few minutes ago, I just uh, just got some news in. If you know, just Elba, for example, tested positive for the coronavirus, uh, right? It just Elba, he actually yes. said it publicly. Yeah. Um, I just got news right now that um, his wife also tested positive, right? Because she was a caregiver and she was, uh, you know, she wanted to stay close to her husband. Oh, that's so sad. Right? And, and so, yeah, so people get infected with this, but at least they are both quarantined together, right? So you could manage right, that. Right, and they have the prevent. resources. Correct. Uh, to, the, to manage that, right? right? And so if you if you had a roommate or, you know, someone you live with uh, that uh, was positive, uh, I think, um, and you got exposed, so I think uh, it's definitely um, worth getting tested. Definitely a concern. All right, speaking of getting tested, let's go right now. Um, on our Hot 97 Newsmaker line to LaShawn Paul. She's a licensed clinical social worker. LaShawn's worked with us in, in Brownsville for our education, um, education summit there in one of the schools and many other shows. LaShawn, thank you uh, for being with us and good morning. Good morning, Lisa. Thank you for having me. I've been working diligently with Jamila Fines out of um, the mayor's office and Serena Purcell from Brooklyn Borough President's Office that are they were happy to be able to share this with the general public. All right. So what can so, you tell us about what what do you feel is the most important? Because I know you're in the community helping people every single day. What um, what are the most important things people know need to know about where they can get tested? Because that's a big question we're getting. Absolutely. So there's 10 new sites at various different city hospitals that will be serving 150 people per day. Right now, eight are already open at Bellevue, Elmhurst, Harlem Hospital, Jacoby, Kings County, Lincoln, Woodhall, and Queens. And two more will be opening this upcoming week at Coney Island and Jacoby. So there are seven new sites in the Gotham Clinics with each serving 50 to 75 people per day. And we'll open this week at Belvis, Cumberland, East New York, Governor Morisana, Sindham, and Vanderbilt. And there will also be four new drive-through areas which will be serving 100 people per day. So they will be opened at Coney Island Hospital and Jacoby Hospital, and two more will be coming up at Kings County Hospital in Queens. In addition, state-operated drive-throughs on Staten Island are already running in five coordinated, in coordination with FEMA. And But we have to remember that it's important to prioritize those that are the sickest and most vulnerable. So right now, all of these are being operated by appointment only. All right. So how do people get an appointment? Because Dr. Manny was saying, you know, don't get tested. Don't get tested unless you have the symptoms and you're and you're severely ill, especially the respiratory part of it and the and the high fever. So you're talking about these locations and LaShawn, these, these, it's great that the city's starting to do something. But honestly, we're only talking about 150 people a day because these tests take time. Uh, to administer Absolutely. and how do pe- pe- do people have to have an appointment because otherwise people will just show up at the hospitals and then we have crowds at the hospitals. Correct. Absolutely. So even Brooklyn Hospital currently has a tent set up, um, even though it's not a part of the city's 
um, network, it's important to know that there are tents available that have assessments to prevent people from coming into the ER, um, really to prevent the illness from spreading more to those who are there for other different reasons. But what you can do is call one of these local New York City hospitals and ask them how to schedule an appointment to for the corona testing. And what they will do is screen you over the phone prior to you getting there to make sure that you are one of those people that are necessarily high risk for it or more, more vulnerable, depending on it. And right now, even though it's only 150 people, it's a matter of getting those who are most sickest in at this moment. At least we're at least we're getting a start. So they need to call the individual hospital. There's not like a city, a main city number, or we'll we'll see if we can get a main city number. Yeah, if, if one arises, or if I reach out to that contact, I'll send it over to you to like tweet out. But as of right now, I don't see a city number. I believe it's the individual hospital. They have to call the individual to. hospital in their neighborhood in their community and get it. All right, and then real quick, LaShawn, what about mental health? Because a lot, and we're actually, we're going to be joined later on by uh, Dr. Milo Dodson, a psychologist, um, to give us some tips about that. But but a, a lot of people are very anxious. They're very nervous. They're worried about losing their income. They're, they're just worried about getting sick. They're worried about family members. Basically, this is, you know, a lot of mental health issues com- coming up. What can people do in the city? Yeah, so... Social distances is, is not social isolation. So to manage our mental health, especially like stress and anxiety and depression that are associated with what's really coming up, with just like the stresses of main life with this coronavirus, we can contact the New York City Well at one eight 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 nyc well or text well to 65173 for free mental health support so they'll help guide you through a mental health crisis in addition to linking you to services that are readily available throughout the city and that the governor has even made like a reserve team in order to tap people into virtual therapy so those are things that are coming up and in the works at this moment all right well that's great and great information Lashawn paul licensed clinical social worker thank you so much for being with us we appreciate the information all right, have a great day. Bye. All right, you too. Thank you. Thank you so much. Do I have time for another another call? All right, let's get to. We'll take. We'll take one. But before call. that, actually, you, uh, do you want to say something? Not correct. Just yeah. to add to that, I, th- I think um, everyone should take advantage of uh, the platform of telemedicine today. So you could actually talk to clinicians uh, using apps, and I could share a list of. Uh, you know, some of those apps like Teladoc and a lot of these companies with you, you can actually look at them and you can actually talk to doctors virtually. You don't necessarily have to go in, right? If you have, Exactly. That's right. a big thing. I mean, technology is, be, is, is being used for that, like like telecounseling and tele, everything is tele this, tele that. And maybe you can give us that list and we can put it on hot97.com because there are a lot of resources as a result of this show. So we're going to take a short break. This is Hot 97 Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. We'll be back right after this. This is Hot 97 Street Soldiers, hosted by Lisa Evers. Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. This is our special two-hour live uh, Street Soldiers episode on the coronavirus epidemic, how we can cope with it. Joining me in studio is Dr. Emmanuel Manny-Fambu. He's a physician and award-winning author, a medical and digital innovator. He also has an MBA and many other credentials. We're taking your telephone calls at 1-800-223-9797. A lot of people have been making comments on my Instagram, at Lisa Evers. And uh, Anaya, what, what are some of the questions coming up here off the Instagram. Okay, so someone wants to know, is it okay? To you gotta get on the mic there, please. Can you hear me? So the so, travel. Okay, so someone wants to know, is it okay to travel to a country that doesn't have it? Dr. Manny, is there such a country? Is there such a place? 
Sure. I, I'm sure there are isolated uh, parts of the world where there's no coronavirus, but the, the good thing is you should not travel there, <laughs> right? Because that means they're isolated, right? Right. So they're in one particular spot. So I know places like Jamaica, for example, um, I think they're banning flights from coming in. Uh, many countries are actually stopping flights from coming in. And the whole idea is you might actually be a carrier and take it over there and, and infect people there. So I think the less we travel today, everyone stays where they are, I think the better off we are. Because there is that, there, it is a natural inclination, just a natural desire, like, let me get out of here. Let me get somewhere where there's no people. And Correct. Um, an interesting piece of this also is the reverse of, to that question where you have people actually having a disease and traveling to China instead, right? Uh, recently, uh, there was a scientist out of Boston that actually uh, was contaminated uh, with the virus and she found out she was sick. She got on a plane and actually flew to China, <laughs> right? Oh because she gosh. thought she could care there and now she's in trouble in China because she lied about being sick with the symptoms, right? So this is putting everyone at risk. So the best thing right now is for everyone to stay put where you are um, and then uh, you could always take that vacation later. All right, let's go to the phone lines right now. 1-800-223-9797. Dr. Manny's in the house taking your telephone calls and questions. Let's go to Rob right now. Rob, hi, you're on with Lisa Evers and Dr. Manny. Go right ahead. Yes, hi. I was just curious. I work for Amazon. I've heard mixed, uh, I guess, stories about if it could stick on cardboard boxes for the delivery drivers as well as the people are delivering to. All right. So, uh, excellent question. I know they're taking a lot of precautions. What about, what about, because we are relying just on a lot of things, you know, there's food deliveries. They're doing that, that door knock thing where, you know, if you prepay it, they'll just leave it at your door so you don't have to have a face to face contact with the delivery person. What about a lot of these, you know, online, online stores are saying, you know, you're at home, you're on Wi Fi. We've got all these big sales. Why don't you order? Um, and, and also like these boxes that, that things that we order online come to our homes and can coronavirus stay on those? No, correct. So, so the one thing to understand here is we could never eliminate 100% risk, right? So all we can do is like minimize the risk of actually uh, getting the disease or transmitting. And, and so one, I think uh, I would like to, I mean, actually give a shout out and, and uh, you know, to everyone that works in you know, whether Amazon or, you know, Grubhub or whatever it is that you have to do to make yes. sure that everyone actually stays home and we can survive from home. Uh, and so you are also part of those like frontline workers um, helping uh, to, to, solve, to solve this. With that being said, I think it's also very important to protect yourself, right? So being able to wash your hands, uh, um, you know, uh, if you are in a warehouse, right, uh, working um, at least at six feet distance from the next person they work with, the same precautions that we put in the general population, you should also um, take the same on your end. Uh, but all we can do is uh, minimize uh, risk. Um, that's the best we can do for it. All right, let's go to uh, Clara right now. Clara, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi, good morning. Um, so pretty much my question was, uh, can somebody be positive with the coronavirus and... Uh, pretty much transmit it to somebody else without having symptoms? Oh, excellent question. What about that, Dr. Manny? Oh, yes, certainly. Yes, you can, right? Uh, many people actually, um, you could be a carriers, right? So the more, like in New York City, you see the numbers of people testing positive actually high. Uh, it doesn't mean that New York City is like uh, this highly infested place. And blah, blah. It just Even makes, though we are the epicenter, they're saying, are. in terms of numbers. Good, but you know, New York City is also a very unique place in the world, right? Uh, one, one of the greatest cities to live in, and there's lots of people in New York City, right? So so if someone has it, it's easy to spread through the, uh, you know, the subway and other ways you can do it. But definitely, there are many people that are carriers. 
that do not have symptoms, right? And so I could I could be a carrier of it, and I shake Lisa's hand, for example, and then Lisa might get it, and Lisa might have symptoms down the road, right? Or Lisa might not have it, and I shake someone else's hand, or and some someone else might get infected. That person might get symptoms, and I didn't, right? And so that's that, that's the most important thing here. That's why we we're telling young people. To stay home, especially, right? Because you might not necessarily get symptoms or severe symptoms of the disease or die from the disease, but someone else that you might get in contact with, you might actually infect and actually make them worse stuff. And this is why it's so important for people who are saying, oh, I feel well, you know, I feel fine. I'm going to do what I, I want to do, try to go out as much as possible to really take that advice and stay home. 1-800-223-9797. That's 1-800-223-9797. Let's go to uh i think it's henry right now let's go to henry 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 hi you're on hot 97 go right ahead uh good good morning uh dr fombu um i know it's the early stages just now uh, i'm an african immigrant and um i heard you know the president talking about the new drugs that the uh, that is proving successful right now uh chloroquine and i think they were talking about hydroxychloroquine but i, I was more uh african immigrants like us uh who've who had the, uh, the who were exposed to malaria were treated with uh, chloroquine um, at different stages in our lives, and I wanted to understand. I mean, since it's ten, uh, it's getting used right now to take care of uh, coronavirus, could could there be uh, some kind of immunity? Um, because you, know, you had a, because you had it previously. Because you were given yes. that, that... Okay, let's find out what Dr. Manny has to say. Thank you so much for the call, Henry. We appreciate it. Ex- explain this, because we have been hearing about this, whatever it's called, the chloro whatever. Chloroquine, yes. So, so um, chloroquine is, it was, is used in Africa, in, in, in tropical areas in general, right? Um, it's a drug for malaria. And uh, so there are studies being done. So there's no clinical research that says it works in this, but... Doctors have tried it and tested it, and there are publications out of France, uh, and there's research going on in the U.S. as well to show if this works, right, in randomized controlled trials. So that that's still out there uh, for us to figure out. But uh, myself, I mean, I've had malaria in the past, and I've had chloroquine in the past as well, right? So similar to the color, right? So does that mean that you're going to be more immune to this, or he might be more immune to it, or anybody that has had chloroquine from uh, absolutely, know, malaria? Uh, absolutely not. So the best way to think about it is... Absolutely you, not, you're abso- saying. Absolutely not, no. It, it, so think about it this way. It's like, hey, you had headache, and you took Tylenol, and then uh, your headache went away, and so... Does that mean that you never have, you know, headache in the future, right? It's a completely different uh, animal. Uh, this virus is very new. It's not the same as malaria. Um, like, it's just like you have one drug you could use for multiple things, right? Um, like aspirin, right? You could use aspirin to prevent a heart attack, as you should say in the past. Or you could use it, you know, for pain or whatever it is, or anti-inflammation. So multiple uses. So same kind of thing here. Chloroquine, the idea here is you could use it, a drug for malaria, you could use it for other things. But it doesn't prevent you. So look at it. So there's no immunity to it. And if you get an infection... You probably take it. Um, your doctors will decide what the best treatment is for you. So, so right now, in terms of the vaccine, because we've heard about they're developing this vaccine from, from you know, with your knowledge and your experience and your expertise, is that a reality? Is that something that's going to help us kind of stop this crisis from getting to the level that it is in Italy, for example? Correct. So, I've been in drug development for a long time, and and I and I've uh, launched multiple drugs in the market, uh, and I'll tell you. The average time to actually, you know, get a, a, a trial going and actually enroll patients in a study, get the results to show that a drug actually works compared to placebo, right? Uh, takes a long period of time to enroll patients and get the results. So I think the earliest we can get a vaccine in is about 12, 18 months from now at the earliest. 
So, but before it would be even even when they're saying they would expedite it and do all of that. Correct. That's expedited, right? That this was expedited. So a year, eighteen months from now, that's when we get a vac. Hopefully, get a vaccine uh, if, if possible. But for right now, the best measure is prevention. While the, let let's let the scientists work on actually getting us the right uh, vaccine in the future. Okay, one eight hundred two two three ninety seven ninety seven. That's one eight hundred two two three ninety seven ninety seven. And we're taking your telephone calls on Hot ninety seven on this uh, coronavirus special, Doctor Mandy. Um, we have a, a call from. Oh, Jennifer right now. This is what I want to ask you. Jennifer, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi, good morning. Good morning. My question is, I'm 20 weeks pregnant and I work in a pharmacy. And should I be concerned for my baby? All right, concern. Okay. Getting infected. Yeah. Excellent point about that. Dr. Mandy, Jennifer is pregnant, and congratulations on your pregnancy. Um, Jennifer's pregnant and uh, she works in a pharmacy. Can she transmit coronavirus to her unborn child? That's um, another um, a great question. Uh, so, in general, you, you have uh, like things that could cross uh, the blood-brain barrier, which are called like torches, right? Uh, like toxoplasmosis and like some kind of herpes viruses and uh, right and syphilis. So certain infections that that would cross, right? Uh, like I mentioned, this is a very new kind of virus, so we don't really know that know that yet. So I think the best way to follow up would be to talk to um, you know. Uh, your, your doctor and, and follow up with them because each case is unique, right? In this or particular OBGYN case, and correct, and ask. correct. And this is a very, this is a very new virus, right? This this came about. I mean, the first person diagnosed with this was in December thirty first, right? And so we we are in March now, where we are actually taking it serious. So a lot of research is to being done. Um, so to be definitive, I think it's great to talk to your doctor to observe you uh, carefully. All right, and then in, ter- in terms of uh, in terms of her protecting herself, obviously she needs to stay as healthy as possible. And can regular flu be transmitted to an unborn unborn child? No, that doesn't cross the blood-brain barrier, right? Uh, so, 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 but we don't know if that's the case with this coronavirus. No, correct. So we, we don't have to be definite if I make a very strong statement. But a typical flu, the baby will not get a flu, right? Uh, because there's something called the blood-brain barrier that actually protects uh, whatever the mother has from the child, which is a natural protection. Oh, that's a wonderful thing. Okay. Correct. All right, let's uh, go to the phones. Let's go to uh, Bennett right now. Bennett, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Okay, I think, did I just uh, do something? Okay, let's try Nicholas. Nicholas, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Good morning. Uh, good morning, Bob. I have a question. Um, I work with animals, and I would like to know if, can animals have the coronavirus and give it to the humans and vice versa, if the humans can give it to the animals? Oh, that's a that's a great question because I've seen conflicting. Uh, I've seen conflicting uh, information about that, Doctor Manny. What about that? You know, people have their dogs. Can dogs get coronavirus? Can other animals get coronavirus? There's talk about that the coronavirus came from animals. What's your take on that? Correct. So that that's actually I've just I, I've discussed actually yesterday. I had a whole debate about this as well, right? So it's a great question. Uh, so if you look at the origin of this, we know that it came from a specific part of China where they had open air markets for animals, right? And we know that the coronaviruses are usually transmitted from animals to humans, right? And the human to human transmissions uh, down the road. So, I mean, so there's speculation that this came from, like, from animals, bats uh, specifically, right, to humans, and then now it went down the road. And so the question becomes, what happens to uh, some of us that have pets? I mean, I don't have a pet personally at home because I don't have time to walk the pet, <laughs> right? right? But for here. those that, uh, well, I love pets, but those that have pets at, at home, the question becomes, so let's think about it from a logical perspective, right? Um, of course, there's no scientific data to show what happens in this case. Can dogs give it to humans? But think about it. Uh, if you have coronavirus and 
and you and your your dog gets exposed to the droplets and then your dog touches someone else is it possible of course it's like any other surface right you could pass it on um to other people so i think it's not only us to protect ourselves but also protect animals right i mean so if you're walking your dog i mean i've seen people even with all this going on spitting on the sidewalk spitting on the street your dog's walking along walking right through that Correct. And so if your dog walks on, on, on this, we just discuss surface, right? Even if, uh, not necessarily because the dog is the one passing it on to you, but the dog has skin and has contact, right? Right. And so if he, even if he touches the dog's, uh, you know, skin or, you know, their paws and you go ahead and he touches you and you take it and touch your face, you, you could trust me that way. What about family members? Cause you know, people are, people are at home. They're watching, you know, they're watching movies or they're, they're whatever. Everybody's sitting on the couch or whatever, being close to each other. How, you can't self distance when you're with family members. Correct. That's why um, it, 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 it's not it's not just about you protecting yourself, right? You have to make sure you also enforce the same rules to your other family members because they're putting you at risk if they don't follow the rules. Okay. 1-800-223-9797. Let's go to uh, Basha right now. Basha, hi. You're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hi there. Oh, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Manning. Good morning. Good morning. My family has two oxygenarians in the hospital currently, both on oxygen, it's the probability that they will both pass in the hospital. Neither has been tested for COVID. Um, we would like them to be tested. My husband is speaking with a doctor today. What is the question he must ask to make sure that either of these people, that both of these people get their tests and that their results are part of the epidemiology, epidemiological studies uh, that go on into the future? That, did, what do you say they were at the hospital for? They just happened to be at hospital on ventilators or? They went into the ER, each one of them, um, both with low oxygen. And now my father-in-law has been there for four days and our um, other relative has been there for eight days. My father-in-law is on oxygen mask. I'm not sure what the other person is on. Correct. So, um, so it depends what cause a shortage of, of oxygen, right? So if you have heart failure, for example, you might, you might have decreased oxygen, right? If you have con like any kind of chest congestion, you could have it. It doesn't necessarily mean it's because of coronavirus, right? There are people, even before coronavirus, that are uh, in the intensive care units um, on oxygen, like tons of people on oxygen. If you have asthma, for example, you show up, it might be your albuterol and oxygen uh, to help you breathe. I mean, I mean to help, to, to give you, ox I mean, oxygen to help with respiration. So that's one. So... To me, I think one of the key things is you have to look at the symptoms of coronavirus if you're concerned about COVID, right? Which is uh, you have this high fever, you have uh, shortness of breath, which I think, um, you know, the family members you mentioned uh, already have. That's why they're on oxygen, right? So you have shortness of breath. Um, you have, uh, you know, do they have that cough, um, right? Or runny nose kind of symptoms that could say, hey, this person, you know, has shortness of breath plus fever plus this, which I'm sure that the medical experts uh, could have. So I think it would be a good discussion to have with the doctor to say check the temperature um, and if it fits those, those, uh, those categories I'm sure they'll do a test but otherwise if they have no fever and they have no cough and, and other symptoms then there's no need to do a test because they're not at high risk unless it's need to all right thank you very much uh, we're going to continue right after the break this is street soldiers on hot 97 I'm your host Lisa Evers our special two-hour live episode taking your questions and calls on the coronavirus epidemic and how we can all cope Dr. Manny's been with us in studio all morning taking your calls and questions as well We'll be back right after this. This is Hot 97 Street Soldiers, hosted by Lisa Evers. 
Welcome back to Street Soldiers. I'm your host, Lisa Evers. This is our special live episode of Street Soldiers. We're taking your telephone calls at 1-800-223 on the coronavirus and how we can cope with it, getting your uh, questions answered by my special guest, Dr. Manny Fambu. And uh, he's taking your calls, taking your questions. He's a physician and award-winning author and medical and digital innovator. And uh, we're going to get to those in just a moment. But we have a special guest on the line right now from California, Dr. Milo Dotson, Dr. Dotson, is it Milo or Milo? Uh, good morning. It good morning. is Milo, but Milo. okay, Dr. Milo, it helps you feel more encouraged. <laughs> I want to call. I want to do it correctly. This is what happens when you do everything by email and text message. Now we're doing it real. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Good. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us, um, Dr. Milo. Also in studio with us is Dr. Manny. He's a, an MD, and. Um, we're really excited to have you on because I know a lot of the great work that you do with the Know Your Rights Camp, uh, with Colin Kaepernick, with Patricia Robinson, and with all the volunteers with NASA and everybody around the country. And um, also the work you do, you know, in your private practice as a psychologist. And, you know, we just wanted to get some, some thoughts from you on what are the most stressful aspects of what we're going through right now? Because it just seems to so many people that our everyday lives are totally turned upside down. Yes, yes. And I think first and foremost, I've always, you know, been taught that one of the keys to mental health is having choices and options. And so I think now a part of what doesn't feel the best at the moment is that we feel our choices may be a little bit more limited than they were a few weeks ago. So what this really means is that we have the opportunity to reframe and reconceptualize what options we can create. And so what I really want to encourage folks to think about is because, one, as you point out with, with Colin's work, we all have the right to be healthy, and that includes our mental health. So what's essential here is that we're preparing and we're uh, feeling a sense of patience over just panicking. And we're looking for data and distancing ourselves from you know all that drama. So like all of a sudden, we, we all kind of have that family member who works at the Pentagon all of a sudden, right, or that person from high school who can see through all the media shenanigans. So what we really want to look for are uh, viable sources to help us de-stress and limit all the extra information floating around. And then in terms of, you know, for people in terms of like now, now all of a sudden everybody's got to stay in the house or stay in the apartment and, you know, they have to be productive. They have to, you know, figure out how to survive just with daily things that used to be, you know, we take we take for granted. What kinds of stresses is this putting on relationships? Yeah, I think um, usually when folks have the opportunity to go to work, go to school, we have that, that reprieve. And so we we able to kind of create some natural boundaries uh, in our, you know, day-to-day routine. So what, what happens now is that folks really have an opportunity to create intentional boundaries and to have these open, ongoing discussions to being able to say like, hey, when when you did this, I didn't really feel the best about that. So using I statements to express the frustrations that we're all, you know, understandably going through, instead of just trying to blame, you know, your partners, blame your kids, blame other family members that may be at home, um, so to be really patient and to be really um, open about those discussions. And then in terms of, Dr. Manny, any, any things you've noticed, you know, just from all the work that you've been doing? No, correct. So I, I, I'll tell you, I have, like my, my, I have a sister that lives in Orlando. She's a physician as well. And her husband, um, Mario, works in Washington, D.C. and Orlando, right? But he, he had to cancel work for the last uh, week. And so 
as like I mean like them just like most parents have actually spent a lot of time with your kids for the very first time right and you get to interact with kids and, and your spouse and it could be challenging sometimes right so I think uh, there's real need for support around that area that's one specific area the second piece uh, here that I think a mental health professional special psychologist can be very useful is around this concept of the stigma right uh, oh right? yes that's another big site so now for example people like this there's a lot of uh, uh, prejudice towards like Asians, for example, in general, right? Um, around the coronavirus, right? Um, that's that's one thing. Uh, the next piece of this is if someone showed up today, Lisa, and you said, "Hey, um, I uh, got that. I was positive for coronavirus. What do you think will happen to everyone in this office today, <laughs> right? When you show up, they'd be running out the door. No, correct. And so you have the stigma against you now, right? So what about? I people? do not have the coronavirus. No, correct. no you don't, and I, <laughs> and I don't either, right? I'm just saying in general. I'm using us because we're here right, in, in exactly. person, right? No, but people would automatically they'd be like, "Ooh, correct." Even though, even though the reality, I just look at it this way: the reality is that probably there are thousands and thousands of people in New York City that we've all been in contact with, and we've all been exposed already, anyway. No, no, correct. And so if you get exposed to this, and, and so people, you have this stigma, the same kind of stigma we had from the original appointment when HIV first came out in the With market, the HIV right? positive. Correct. Right. And people were blaming people and say, hey, it came from this and it came from that. Instead of figuring how to prevent this and how to manage disease, right? So I think dealing with that mentally, I think is also very important. Dr. Milo, what about, what about the stigma aspect of it? Because, you know, a lot of people want to get tested, but there's that also that issue of when you get tested, if you find out you're positive, that brings a whole new you know, a whole, a whole new wave of, of issues to deal with. Yeah, the stigma around testing is, you know, similar to the, the stigma that um, as a psychologist I hear about on a regular basis around the, uh, the shame or the stigma around mental health. And so I think right now understanding that testing is sure about you and your safety and your health, and it's also an act of love and an act of caring for those around us because we've seen, you know, all the shenanigans going on in Florida right now or during spring break. And the younger folks who are thinking, well, I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to be okay even if I do test positive. And so working through some of the stigma and the shame is, again, being able to care for folks who have underlying health conditions, folks who may be a little bit more vulnerable in some ways. And so when we work through the shame, it's not about just ourselves right now. It's about being able to be um, empathetic and caring for other folks, too. What about uh, Dr. Milo in terms of in terms of these telecounseling uh, services that we're hearing about? I know I know you do a lot of a lot of sessions that way as well. What's your advice to people who feel like they may need to reach out? Yeah, absolutely. So um, a lot of folks like myself, we've actually uh, increased our training. So personally, I had to do like hours and hours of online trainings to be competent in uh, doing telehealth or teletherapy. And so um, a, a helpful resource that I've always, always encouraged folks to check out is psychologytoday.com. And you can search by insurance. You can search by area. Um, I'd encourage folks to find a therapist that does telehealth or teletherapy in their state because there's uh, jurisdiction and there's laws behind that. And hopefully after we uh, you know, don't have to social distance anymore, you can continue therapy with that person. But in the meantime, teletherapy, um, either you know, video conferencing or phone visits are really helpful and viable sources of mental health support. All right. Well, Dr. Milo Dodson, uh, psychologist, thank you so very much for being with us on the special episode of Street Soldiers at this time. We really appreciate it. 
You are most welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. Milo Todson. Uh, thank you so much. 1-800-223-9797. Dr. Manny Fambu with us. We have a ton of phone calls. Let's uh, let's go right through it, okay? No, correct. And uh, something interesting is if you told people last week, that uh, two weeks ago, right, that you could um, see a doctor through your phone and just talk to a doctor, get therapy through your phone, they thought you were crazy, right? But today... <laughs> That is the norm today, right? To do everything, um, right? You know, virtually. we have to do by our phone, and then all, and then also to the um, it, with medical medical diagnoses too. You can get over the phone to a certain extent. Correct, and this has been around for a long time, but adoption was very slow, right? And so today, because of this, we've actually advanced exponentially the way digital health could have gone in the future. So some pos- like everything, some positives are coming out of this, and, I, and again, our thoughts and prayers uh, for everybody. You know, everybody coping with this and especially the people who've contracted it and, and thoughts and prayers to those who've lost uh, family members. Let's go to Tony right now. Tony, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Tony, hello, are you hello, there? Hello. Is it Tommy, Tony? Uh, yeah, it was Tommy. Okay, Tommy, go right ahead. What's your question or comment? Yes, this is what I wanted to ask, you know. Um, as far as I know, as far as the coronavirus and everything, as um, I know that it enters through your, your nose, through your eyes, through your mouth and everything. And I know that it rests right there for a couple of days before it actually enters into your lungs. As far well, as wait a second. Wait, wait, wait. You're saying the, he's saying, Dr. Manny, the coronavirus comes into your, if it comes into like your eyes or your mouth, does it take a couple days to get to your lungs? So when, when you get exposed, you have uh, s- uh, something called the incubation period. Uh, we mentioned here is 14 days, right? So it takes about 14 days um, for you to actually, if, you, if you're a carrier, to actually turn that into disease, right? We said in flu, it's about, you know, five to seven days. Uh, for, for coronavirus specifically, it's within 14 days. That's why if, if you, anyone has been exposed or they test positive, they ask you to, to a self-quarantine for 14 days while you, uh, you get observed. And if you test, you have two negative tests within 24-hour period, then you're, you're, you're clean, right? So it's within those 14 day period. All right. Uh, what about one of, one of the other callers? One of the other callers was saying that the um, situation with markets, you know, with grocery stores, some, some people are saying, okay, oh, you know, well, there's, I have no problem getting food in my area or whatever. I've noticed that a lot of the city grocery stores, they're packed. Even at late, you know, even late night, they're packed. You know, late night, the shelves are, are, get very, very empty. Uh, one of the callers was asking, is that a hot, you know, are these hot spots? Is grocery stores, when you have people just waiting online, everybody, you know, wanting to make sure they, they don't leave so much space that somebody can cut in front of them. You know how it is. No, correct. You have to go to a grocery store. I mean, I, I tried going to a grocery store myself. Uh, my family was very concerned about uh, me going to the store. Like, uh, Crink would not let me go to the store, right? So if you, if you go to the store and there's, there's lines of people and you have to go to the store and you have to buy, um, you, you know... Essential stuff for essential essential stuff. food to eat. <laughs> and the most essential thing is toilet paper, apparently, right? You can't find toilet paper anywhere, right? <laughs> Everything is gone. Um, but if you try to buy any kind of food and everyone is going in at the same time because the stores have specific hours. And so by default, you can't fight against that because everyone is crowded there at the same time, right? And I saw pictures yesterday of people going to grocery stores and the store will let only a certain number of people in. Yes, I've seen that in certain places. And what you end up doing is having a long line of people outside. And so, you know, it's kind of counterproductive um, at the same time. And, and so it's, it's a big challenge for all of us, right? And so it brings up this new idea of do you need to leverage more platforms like the Amazons, right? Um, to deliver groceries, right? To, to make advantage of this, uh, to make sure we have less people out on the streets because people need to eat. All right, let's uh, take this call from Shaw right now. Shaw, hi, you're on Hot 97. Go right ahead. Hey, Shaw, you're on the line. Go right ahead. 
Oh, hi. Um, I wanted to know, like, when you're in the grocery store, some people have face masks on, some people don't. Like, when should you wear a face mask? And if you have a disposable face mask on, how long do you wear it for before it's no longer effective? All right. Excellent question. Dr. Manny, the face mask debate, because at first they were telling us, oh, you don't need those face masks. It's not really going to protect you from the uh, coronavirus. But then, you know, now now a lot of people are having second thoughts about that. Like, hey, face mask, I'll take anything I can get. Yes, um, I was one of those people. I mean, initially, the understanding was that you could only get uh, infected if you, you know, use your hands to touch your face, right, uh, right or touch your mouth or your eyes, right? Uh, but then recently, as recent as last week, actually, we had additional information that, that, that showed that this virus can actually live in the air for up to three hours, right? So, yes, so can you transmit it by air, uh, kind of? Yes, um, you definitely can. So, so does it help protect by using a mask? You're definitely, right? So, remember, this is science, right? When, when we start off, we, this is a very new virus. Uh, we had very limited understanding of this. The more we know, the information is going to keep changing. As, the more we learn. So, so in terms of, so for, so for example, if somebody's going out shopping or they're going out to, to go to the grocery store, they're going to go to places because there's not that much that's open now anyway. So whatever is open is getting a lot of, you know, is getting a lot of traffic. It's not a bad idea. It's not going to hurt them to wear a mask. No, any it, type of mask. No, correct. I personally, um, if I go to a grocery store, I try not. I get in trouble for this with my family uh, because I don't put on a mask, right? Uh, my sisters, my mother, um, they all worry about me leaving the house without a mask, right? So, so, so. But I try to keep that distance from from people. Um, and if I get close to someone, um, yes, should I have a mask? Yes, definitely, I should, um, right? And I think it's advisable to wear, put on a mask to protect yourself. All right, let's go to uh, Michelle right now. Michelle, hi, you're on Hot ninety seven. Go right ahead. Okay, let, let's. Uh, we're going to we're going to this one. Ezra. Ezra, hi, you're on Hot ninety seven. Go right ahead. Hello, yeah, yes, hello. Good morning, good morning. Good morning, good morning. Yeah, thank you so much uh, for having this kind of topic and everything that we're talking about right now. And we're just uh, really curious about the, the, the virus itself too. Uh, like I said, I think I called before and I was asking about the fact of uh, when it uh, enters your your nose and your your nose and your, your face that it enters inside the body and that it stays there for a couple of days before it actually enters inside your lungs. Is that... Okay, we were... Do, one of the other callers asked about that. Once... Because you're the doctor. Well, and once, you, once you're exposed to it, let's say you're exposed to it, you touch your face or somebody sneezes on you or whatever, you get it... It gets into your, gets into your body and then... Does it go to your lungs right away, or what? Like, what happens physically? Yes. So, so physically is it's like like the, the virus in general. So you get it. So viruses have like these receptors on them, right? That's what happens in general, and that could attach and cling to your lungs. So for respiratory diseases, your lungs are the the, the breeding ground uh, for them, right? So if this virus you get exposed to, if it's in your arms, it doesn't get to your respiratory system. Then of course you don't get sick, right? Because the receptors for these viruses are not triggered. They're not in your hands, right? So it's in your lungs specifically. And so if, if they happen to get in your lungs. And the, the binding there, that's where you get inflammation and then you get the fever and they get the pneumonia and they get respiratory problems. So that's what happens. So it needs to get into your, air, your airways. And then is there a set amount of time for that or does it depend on the individual and depend on the circumstances? On the individual and circumstances um, surrounding uh, temperature and everything else. But the incubation period, which means from the time you're infected to the time you actually get disease, is a 14-day window, right? So from the time you're exposed uh, to when you get disease, is about a 14-day uh, window, which is why the quarantine period, if someone has been exposed, is within 14 days. Okay, when people do test positive 
the coronavirus? Are there different treatment uh, protocols that they have to follow? Because everyone doesn't go to the hospital. Correct. So if so, it depends if you're symptomatic or non-symptomatic, right? So let's say you got tested um, because you got exposed to someone that had a virus and you were positive. Uh, it doesn't mean you have symptoms. So the first thing now, there's no, there's nothing to treat in this particular case, right? And so you self quarantine uh, for that 14 day period, um, and then you get tested. After that, like I said, two negative tests within a 24 hour period to make sure that you're actually clean, and then you you're good. Uh, but what happens is if you have, if you have symptoms, most people are managed the same way you have a flu and how you manage it. Like you drink fluids, uh, manage the symptoms. That's a typical thing. If you have difficulty breathing, that's that's the that's that severe part of the disease we are we are talking about, right? We get hospitalized, right? Uh, you might be on a ventilator or get oxygen supplementation, uh, all those things. And, and what about this whole respirator shortage that we're hearing about? The the Governor Cuomo spoken about extensively. So is the mayor. And uh, now they say there's going to be more and there's different manufacturers being brought in to try to make them quickly or whatever. But what's the concern about that? So the concern here is the people that have severe disease, right? Where they have to go to mechanical ventilation, right? Um, and as of now, actually, about uh, 2.3% of people that have uh, been infected actually uh, have required mechanical ventilation. And um, we have about uh, 41.3% that have needed supplemental oxygen, right? So the oxygen without mechanical ventilation. So we're talking about these 2.3% of people that actually need, uh, require uh, mechanical ventilation with these devices that we talked about, right? That basically helps you breathe because a lot of times you get inflamed, you have fluid in your lungs, there's no air coming in and out, so you can't breathe basically. And so what happens is we need to have, have machines help you breathe. That's what, it, that's what those machines are for. And so now you have limited number of machines because we didn't have hundreds of people and thousands of people showing up requiring these machines in the first place, right? So we got caught off guard with this. So that's why we're saying uh, we getting prepared is very important. And so now what is happening is now we were looking at ways in which it's possible to actually have two people actually use the same machine, right? You could actually split them up. So one machine by two people, we could actually scale that way as well. All right. So just to sum up again, uh, just to sum up again, in terms of the testing, people should not go to their doctors right now. Like Dr. Golightly said, you agree with that? They, people should not go to the do- people should not go to the doctor unless they are having respiratory uh, symptoms. No, no, having trouble breathing. If yes, if if you have symptoms, you should definitely talk to your doctor, right? Um, like I said, if you are concerned or you're worried about it, uh, we have uh, you know telehealth. A mental health kind of services, you know, you want to talk to someone for support, that, those are available. But to, go, to get tested, only people get tested if you have symptoms, should you get tested. You feel like you've been exposed, you could talk to your doctor to help guide you through that process of it. But you don't need to get tested just because you, you're worried. But you do need to take these precautions. Definitely, very important. And these precautions, again, are not because a lot of people felt like, oh man, that's not going to wash my hands, isn't going to do anything. And you know, staying inside isn't going to do anything. But you're 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 giving us your word that that really is can make a difference. Yes, I um, I have nieces and I, uh, and younger kids around me, and everyone insists, like Eve, Elise, and everyone else, and there's a big insistence of wash your hands, right? So people, kids will come up to me and they go, hey. Uh, do you know about this virus? How do you protect the virus? Right? Elementary school kids, right? Pre-kindergarten pre, pre, pre kids. Wash your hands uh, for at least for 20 minutes. Everyone knows this, right? And so you keep washing your hands. So it doesn't mean you wash your hands in the morning and then uh, you went outside and, and you came back. It. Correct. Or just because you didn't shake someone's hand, then that means you can't wash your hands, right? Remember, 
doorknobs, elevators, right? ATM machines. Everything. So, correct. So you should keep, keep washing your hands. Continuously. Correct. Well, Dr. Manny Fambu, I want to thank you so very much for being with us for this episode of Street Soldiers and taking so many calls, dozens of phone calls and uh, questions and, and helping us really get through this. We really appreciate it. No, thank you very much. Thank you so much. And, and thank you to all of our guests that joined us on the phone, social worker LaShawn Paul, Dr. Milo Dodson, and also Dr. Lenny Golightly. Thank you very much for giving us your time. And also a special thank you to a lot of people who were involved in bringing this show to you. Special thanks to P.O. Farrell, our senior VP for programming, Patricia Robinson. MVP for Community Engagement and Human Relations, our VP of Digital, Mike Fox, the whole digital team, because they got some things, uh, some surprises we're going to be dropping on you this afternoon about how you can get this episode. Jeff Costello, Jeremy Fader, Rashawn Broscombe, our digital editorial manager, uh, Louis Mercado, aka Breaking Lou, and my team, Lisa, here on the ground, DJ Stacks on the boards, keeping us on the air, phone calls moving, flowing, production assistant, Anaya Johnson, keeping the whole show running smoothly and our phone op Juliana and uh, everyone behind the scenes who pitched in special thanks to Rich Steropoli and to everyone doing their part to help us get through this crisis we can and will get through it and our thoughts and prayers go out to everyone fighting the virus those who lost their lives to it and those who are really risking their lives to make sure other people don't get sick remember use your mind it's your best weapon I hope it's your only weapon I'm Lisa Evers let's push for health life and love